The focus of our message today and our, our uh, uh, scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the, stones, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning. It's good to be together again, and uh, I want to commend you for setting aside this time in your day especially in this beautiful weather. There's a lot of other things you could be doing right now, but you've chosen to be here in the house of the Lord with your family, with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. May God bless us together as we spend this time uh, before the Lord's feet. Uh, perhaps you've noticed here in Hamilton County, we are in another season of road construction. Yeah, apparently some of you are aware of that. In fact, right now, Nine new roundabouts are currently under construction here in our immediate uh, locality with more yet to come. In fact, come this fall, we're going to be getting our own roundabout here. It'll be interesting to see how we just get to our site, uh, just given the road closures and stuff. But with road construction come road closures, barricades and barriers, lane restrictions, detours. It can be Rather interesting, especially of, of late, just trying to get from point A to point B, especially if you weren't aware of some of the road closures uh, that are out there. And then, while we're still trying to get around all of this, then you throw in like something like a road closing accident or some weather-related stuff like down power lines or tree branches or, or high water and, and then a festival parade and, and fun runs and trying to get anywhere as of late can seem near impossible. Well, I share that with you because what we experience whenever we have to deal with road closures and road construction serves well to illustrate the spiritual landscape that Martin Luther was dealing with uh, back in his day. You see, in Luther's personal struggle to come to understand what it meant to be in relationship with Almighty God. Luther himself found himself coming upon countless uh, road, you know, roadblocks, so to speak, barriers and, and detours and all sorts of restrictions. And one of the areas and one of the barriers that Luther kept coming upon uh, in his personal struggle to, to be in relationship with God had to do with the role of the religious elite. Uh, the, the Pope, the bishops, the priests in his day, the, the leaders of the church, 
and their responsibility to be serving the people. Uh, you need to understand, Luther was, was raised under the mindset that the average Christian, which would mean you, not me, all right, this is the mindset back then, the average Christian was spiritually inept when it came to anything having to do with a relationship with Almighty God. The mindset was this, you cannot have a relationship with God without somebody like me, part of the religious elite. Uh, in, in essence, the, the idea was, if you want to have a relationship with God, you've got to come to me. It was almost as if the, the religious leaders of Luther's day were saying, we are the way, we are the truth, we are the life. If you want to have a relationship with Almighty God, you've got to come to us because you guys can't figure it out on your own. And you've got to follow whatever we tell you, believe whatever we say without questioning, and do exactly what we tell you. And oh yeah, by the way, every once in a while it's going to cost you if you want to have that relationship with Almighty God. Well, as you can see, as a result, um, this, this is where the, this mindset uh, began to get in the way. Uh, interestingly, uh, one of the titles ascribed to the Pope is pontiff. And it's an awesome word. The word itself literally means bridge builder. Somebody who, in essence, stands in the gap. Somebody who helps people get from here to there. An apt description. The problem was, the religious leaders of Luther's day, instead of being bridge builders, they had become barriers to Almighty God. The religious elite were getting in the way of individuals having a relationship and understanding God's mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. They were detouring people away from Christ. They were barricading them from the truths of God's grace. And they were restricting them to living by and obeying rules that were simply rules taught by men. Now, perhaps you already show the fact that you're not spiritually inept because you recognize that the guise, of the, the guise of the religious leaders of Luther's day were an affront to Jesus himself who had said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, when Paul and Silas were asked by their jailer, what must I do to be saved. Paul and Silas didn't say, well, you need to look to the church. You need to follow whatever the leaders of the church are saying. You need to go to the priests. No. Paul and Silas simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And this is where, my friends, one of the significant truths of Scripture that God used Martin Luther to bring back into an awareness, especially in the life of God's people, was to reestablish the focus of the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul writes, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I mean, the very, at the very moment that Jesus paid the price for our sin and breathed his last and died on the cross, 
We're told from Scripture that the curtain that hung in the temple, that divided the holy from the most holy place, that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, thus signifying that Christ had made it possible for believers now to go directly into God's presence on their own. An architectural feature in many churches is the communion rail. The communion rail is there to symbolize that curtain that once hung in the temple. But what is significant about the communion rail, and if you're familiar with it on the other end, the significance in the middle of the communion rail, what do you find? An opening. Symbolizing how that court curtain has been torn. And now we have direct access to God's mercy, to God's throne of grace through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul declares, for through Christ we have access to the Father. Thus Luther was most earnest in sharing from Scripture that no Christian needs a pontiff or a priest, a bishop, a saint, or any other human mediator in order to approach God's throne of grace. Jesus Christ alone is the way to the Father, and He has opened that way through His death and His resurrection unto us all. But not only did Martin Luther reestablish the focus upon the priesthood of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, he went one step further, and this was a huge step, especially given the spiritual landscape of the day. Luther also reinstated the biblical concept of the function of what we know as the priesthood of all believers. In other words, all Christians, not just popes and priests or pastors or, or ministers, not the religious elite, but all Christians stand before Almighty God and serve in the work of the, His kingdom as bridge builders. All Christians have the opportunity to serve in wonderful ways before Almighty God so as to connect them to God's mercy, to God's grace, and to God's forgiveness. The Apostle Peter declares in the text that we have before us today, you also are like living stones and are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. My friends, I want us all to understand the, the significance of this truth of what Peter is saying to each and every one of us here in our text. Yes, there are going to be moments when the devil, the world, and even our own sinful flesh will cause us to doubt or to think otherwise about ourselves. But I want you to understand that in the eyes of Almighty God, through faith in Jesus Christ, not one of us stands before God as spiritually insignificant. No, none of us are spiritual nobodies. In fact, all of us are spiritual somebodies. Indeed, when it comes to our place and our purpose in God's kingdom, it's not a matter of our looks, of our hair, or what we wear, our background, our size, our age, our gender, our personality, our education, our social status, or anything else about ourselves. 
Rather, it is because of God's grace at work in our lives through faith in Jesus Christ that you and I not only stand before God as precious in His sight, but we also stand before God in having a purpose in the work of Christ's kingdom. Peter writes, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Which means, because of God's grace at work in each of our lives, each and every one of us is in a prime position to be bridge builders. In other words, you and I have the opportunity to be a priest in somebody else's life. And that has to do with helping others become connected in a saving relationship with Almighty God. Peter goes on to write, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. My friends, what an honorable position you and I hold in the eyes of Almighty God through Jesus our Savior. And what a blessed purpose we each share in the work of Christ's kingdom. Martin Luther, in his own commentary on this portion of Scripture, highlights for us what it looks like when we are serving as members of the holy priesthood of Almighty God. Luther writes, Now Christ is the high and chief priest, anointed by God Himself. And then Luther goes on to speak of three things that Jesus did. He says, first of all, He sacrificed His own body for us, which is the highest function of the priestly office. Then He prayed for us on the cross. And then thirdly, He also proclaimed the gospel and taught all men to know God in Him Himself. These three offices he also gave to all of us, Luther writes. Consequently, since he is the priest and we are his brothers, all Christians have the authority, the command, and the obligation to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to come before God and to pray for one another, and then to offer ourselves up as a sacrifice to God. The priesthood simply means these three things. We stand before God so that we can pray for one another, sacrifice ourselves to God, and proclaim the word to one another. Now, there's several things about this I want to highlight in what Luther writes. First of all, our priesthood is grounded in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. The work that Jesus did as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the, as the Deliverer, as the Savior sets the stage and determines the work that we do. The cross of Jesus Christ is central to, the, to our work because it is at the heart of what Christ has done for you and for me. Secondly, as priests, we are to perform three priestly functions. Prayer, proclamation, sacrifice. Prayer. We are to intercede for one another, especially for those who as yet do not have a relationship with Almighty God. Secondly, we are to proclaim. 
We are to look for those opportunities in our lives where the Lord opens doors for us to be able to share what it means to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And thirdly, we are to sacrifice. We are to live a cross-centered and servant-oriented life so that through our deeds, others might see Jesus in us. This is what each of us is called to be as members of the priesthood of all believers. And then thirdly, I also want you to notice that each of these functions is grounded in love for our neighbor. As John writes, we love because he first loved us. In other words, we pray for others because we love them and we want to see them in a saving relationship with Almighty God. We proclaim the good news to them because we want them to hear what Jesus has done for us so that we might be saved from our sins. And then we make sacrifices, freely and generously giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures so that others might experience God's mercy, God's grace, God's forgiveness, not only through what we say, but also by what we do. All of this we gladly and willingly do because you and I, we already know, we understand, we appreciate, and we embrace the blessed fact that God wants all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And here is where I want each of us to do some serious soul searching. Understand, priests are living in a cross-shaped relationship. They live, first of all, in the vertical, in a relationship with Almighty God. And they also live in a horizontal, in relationship with others. Which means, for each of us, we all stand at a crossroads between God and those around us. The question is, as we stand at those crossroads, are we a barricade or are we a bridge builder? What message are we sending to those around us by our attitudes, our words, and our actions, especially as pertains to their standing before Almighty God? Jesus said, but I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. The question is, to what extent are you and I drawing people to Christ as opposed to pushing them aside? or even putting up barricades and barriers. My friends, to bring it down to a more personal level, I want each and every one of us here to take a moment right now, and I want you to think of one person. This is somebody you already know. This is somebody you already have a relationship with, and this is somebody who as yet does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am challenging you, not only as part of the service today, but in your week this week and in the days, weeks, months to come, to start committing yourself to praying for that individual and their eternal well-being. Your prayer can simply be this, Lord, make it possible for so-and-so to come to know you as their Savior and Lord. Begin praying for that individual's spiritual well-being. But I'm going to ask you to expand your prayer a little bit too, having to do with proclamation. In your prayer, begin to consider the possibility that God wants to use you to be the individual who make a difference in that person's life, to be their 
priest, to be their mediator, to be their go-between, and to begin to pray, Lord, and if you want to use me, then open my eyes to see when that best time is going to be. And then give me the courage and give me the words to be able to share with them the difference that you're making in my life that they might experience it too. Pray, proclaim, and then sacrifice. Begin to ask, Lord, what sacrifices do I need to make in my life that might facilitate for this individual to come to know you? Is there something that I can do, some act of service, whereby Jesus, they would see you in me by my serving them? What sacrifices do I need to make? I'm challenging you to commit yourself in the coming days, in the coming weeks, to pray, to proclaim, to sacrifice for that one individual. But don't stop there. Because my guess is there isn't just one person in your life like that. There's others as well. And begin to add them to your prayers as well. And look for those opportunities with them as well. But then let's enlarge upon that. How can we as a congregation come together and have that kind of heart and that kind of passion that prays for our community and those who as yet do not know Jesus living in our own neighborhoods, looking for those opportunities whereby we can proclaim Christ's death and resurrection to them? What sacrifices do we need to be making as a congregation that they might have the opportunity to come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord? My friend, being a priest in the kingdom of God simply amounts to this. You and I have the privilege of being a lighthouse in somebody else's storm. And it's my prayer that as we continue to pray, proclaim, sacrifice, that one by one we will be connecting individuals to Jesus and they will have the opportunity to come to know Jesus as their Savior and as their Lord. God grant that to us and to the work of Christ's kingdom, to the glory of his name. Amen. Amen.